Welcome to Stork Storytime Talks with the North Liberty Library. Are you expecting or thinking of starting a family? If so, this podcast is for you. Delivering literacy one topic at a time. Today we're talking about infant safe sleeping with Tony Lipsky, the board president of the Iowa SIDS Foundation. He's a SIDS parent, an active member with the foundation as a peer contact, and coordinates the Washington SIDS Walk. I'm Jen. And I'm Heidi. Tony, one of your colleagues told us that you are very dedicated to the foundation, to infant loss, and helping others as a way to honor your son, Jacob. We appreciate that you've uh, taken the time to share your story with us. Thank you. So can you uh, share with us, Tony, what does the term safe sleeping, what does that mean? So safe sleeping, um, we really uh, encourage uh, uh, parents to sleep their child on their back um, when, and make sure there's a clear airway. Uh, when they're sleeping on the side or on the belly, there's uh, too much potential for airways to be blocked uh, to cause uh, issues. And it, did it used to be called Back to Sleep, that program? Yes, um, just and that was specifically just back sleeping, but they've expanded it because they want to make sure that um, the main purpose is to give the baby enough um, space um, to be able to breathe properly uh, and have a clear um, bed space. So that also means no fluffy pillows or, you know, even bumper pads can be an issue sometimes, you know, different, you know, a crib full of animals and uh, blankets looks really cute, but in reality, it, it can be very detrimental to the child. Okay. What, and SID stands for Sudden Infant Death Syndrome. Correct. And can you share with our listeners what what does that mean? Well, um, SIDS is actually um, a diagnosis when there is no cause. You know, it's just basically that the it's the unexpected you know death of an infant, um, which remains unexplained through autopsy, death scene investigation, and a review of medical history. It's basically a diagnosis of exclusion. Uh, meaning that all other medical causes have that have been contributed to the baby's death have been uh, examined and excluded. And it's usually, uh, SIDS is specifically defined as one year or younger for the baby's age, you know, as far as, you know, it seems like there's a unexplained death in various age groups or, you know, mm-hmm. all the way up, but SIDS is specifically one year or younger. And how did you become involved with the Iowa SIDS Foundation? Well, um, my wife and I were uh, very blessed to have our first child, uh, Joseph, back in 2002. Uh, and then in 2004, September uh, 13th, uh, 2000, actually 2004, um, we had uh, Jacob. Uh, and um, he was a very healthy baby, uh, you know, enjoyed his brother and his brother enjoyed him. Um, and then on the morning of January 5th of 2006, uh, I went to work and my wife went to work and we got a call from the babysitter that uh, one of our, or from the police actually came to the door and said that one of our child uh, kids was taken to the hospital. And we didn't know which one or what was going on or anything else. And um, we went uh, to the uh, hospital and you know found out that Jacob had uh, died. You know, it, 
SIDS, you know, one of the misconceptions about SIDS is that, you know, they started having symptoms and, you know, they tried to resuscitate and all of okay. this stuff and, you know, they couldn't save them. That is true. They do CPR. They try to do everything. But in reality, you know, the baby, unfortunately, is deceased before, you know, anything is done. It's just very sudden and very uh, quick, which is a blessing, you know, in some ways. But then after um, Jacob died, uh, we were put in touch. My wife is uh, an attorney and she's involved down in Fairfield and other areas. And just through word of mouth and everything else, um, we were um, connected with another SIDS parent um, who was the, actually the board president at that time okay. through the foundation, Karen Swanson. And uh, her and her husband became our peer contacts. And that role is basically to um, be, be a support for another family, a newly bereaved family and help them work through the process, understand, you know, what has happened, you know, try to minimize, everyone's going to have feelings of guilt and everyone's going to have, you know, well, I should have been there. It wouldn't have happened. Unfortunately, that's not how SIDS works. So having that peer contact and being able to, um, have someone in a similar situation really helped out a great deal. So through that um, experience with the peer contact uh, and um, how beneficial that was, then we became more involved with the foundation ourselves. Okay. And SIDS is not contagious or hereditary? That is, well, hereditary they are figuring out. They think there could be a genetic defect with serotonin levels. Um, oh. And there has been some research um, done um, through various researchers. The latest was Dr. Hannah Kinney at Boston Children's Hospital. Um, and they are very close to making a link uh, genetically. But uh, as far as, you know, there's still a lot of unknowns as far as is this directly inherited? You know, what mm -hmm. are the, you know, circumstances that way? Okay, that's good information. I mm -hmm. was reviewing and preparing for this podcast, the Iowa SIDS Foundation website, uh, which is iowasids.org. Mm -hmm. So our listeners can access that after listening to the podcast. Um, and it's not caused by parent, parental neglect or abuse, as you mentioned, of course, that guilt feeling is there, but in Correct. reality. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they, they, we have a triple risk model. And, and this is what was very confusing for me, even when I first became involved with the organization and was trying to figure out, you know, they said, well, there was no fault, it just happens, there's no cause or anything else. And so I kept asking, well, then why are we focused on back to sleep? Why are we, you know, focused on all of this stuff if that wouldn't have mattered? <laughs> right. And the answer is there's a lot of infants and babies that do die unnecessarily, you know, based on suffocation, you know, um, uh, unhealthy environments, things of that nature. And so if we can even save one baby's life, you know, whether it was SIDS related or, mm -hmm. you know, not, that is what we want to do. Um, SIDS also uh, refers or has what we call a triple risk model where there's environmental factors, um, you know, just general factors and then the um, genetic factor, you know. So, you know, whether, you know, is the room colder or warmer, you know, temperature, you know, again, the bedding, those types of things all come into play and it kind of takes that perfect storm. Now, could it prevent the, you know, death? Inevitably, maybe, maybe not. But when all of those things kind of combine to that perfect mm -hmm. storm, you know, 
uh, a SIDS death is likely to occur. Okay. In the hospital, I remember um, the nurses do such a wonderful job of trying to share all of that wisdom, mm-hmm. you know, with the new parents. And I remember that um, back to sleep, I think it was mm-hmm. at the time, you know, so they show you the correct way that the baby should be sleeping. And there were um, research is finding out that there are some things that we can do as parents and caregivers to help reduce that risk, as, mm-hmm. as you've mentioned. So one thing like the environmental factor, so smoke. Mm-hmm. Um, either in the car or in the home, if we right. can avoid that. Mm-hmm. Yes, I mean it's. I mean, it, it, if we've heard nothing else through the media and everything else, you know, smoking mm-hmm. in general is not good for anybody. You know, and uh, so if you can avoid a smoky environment, that is obviously going to be much better for everybody. Mm-hmm. And I remember my boys um, would fall asleep like in the car seat, you mm-hmm. know, and I didn't think that was bad um, mm-hmm. but it, it says from the website that they should not normally sleep in those other types of locations Cor- correct again you want to make sure you know baby has clear airflow flow you know free of any other things you know uh, to be honest our uh, our son Jacob died at the babysitters and he was he actually had fallen asleep in our uh, baby's arms and then she laid him in the crib on his side now we don't know when or, you know, mm-hmm. anything like that. Uh, babysitter's still a good friend to this day. You know, we've supported each other throughout the process. But if she would have just put Jacob down on his back at that time, would he have, you know, lived or not? We will never know. But at, it's very possible that just having, you know, Jacob up next to her chest or, you know, there okay. could have, you know, been that, you know, storm we were talking about. Okay. So you said the triple risk model consisted of uh, what again? Well, it's environmental, genetic, and then I always forget, you know, how that that third one, uh, you know, comes into play. I forget, you know, what that uh, third one is. But okay. um, it, it's just kind of a, a reminder of... Um, that we always need to be conscientious. And even if the baby is, you know, fussing a little more, you know, being on their back or this or that, that it's so important to try. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, to do what we can do to give the baby the healthiest environment um, to sleep. Right, which is very important because as new parents, expecting parents, you're trying to do the best, get your child off to the best start possible, mm-hmm. you know, going to those prenatal appointments, doing all of that. But it doesn't stop once baby arrives. Right. It, it continues afterwards. And mm-hmm. um, this is something, too, that parents can learn about to help, as you said, minimize as much risk as possible. If a family is going through this mm-hmm. situation, um, where can they turn turn to for help? The Iowa SIDS Foundation, but if they need, like, grief Mm -hmm. counseling or help? Um, Absolutely. I mean, one thing, you know, and especially we see this in males, you know, sometimes males feel like they're not manly if they have to go to a counselor or, you know, Mm -hmm. need therapy or things like that. And I've been in counseling, I'm not currently right now, but through the course of the last 10 years or more, you know, I've seen counselors on and off. you know, my wife and I have gone to couples counseling, you know, various things, and it never hurts to talk to somebody else. Um, the website, the SIDS Foundation website is a very good resource. Um, there are various um, 
websites and organizations throughout the country that offer support. One of the challenges is sometimes finding enough people in your same circumstance in a local area. And that's where online chats or podcasts like this can be very helpful to folks that may not be able to just reach out if they're not in a big city or, you know, area like that. So how did it work for for you and, and Trisha when you decided to reach out for help? Well, again, uh, the Swanson family was extremely uh, helpful um, in just sharing their experiences and working through there are, you know, that was still an internet, you know, we weren't, you know, just doing everything on the internet, but my wife did a lot of research as much as she could um, at that point. Um, she, she loves to read, so she would buy different books, and uh, there's a ton of resources out there. Uh, we found several, there are a lot of good kids' books and good um, resources for kids um, to help them understand. You know, I know one, I think one book was called The Other Place. Um, there was one, I think, called Dancing on the Moon. Um, there's a lot of books that help a child relate to what is going on, you know, in, in their way of understanding. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point to make, that there's books to help you through this process. I'm not sure at the moment what we have in our collection, but mm -hmm. um, we'll take a look after the podcast and uh, make sure we have some of these resources available mm -hmm. for other people. If you're not local um, here to this area, check with your local library um, and ask. They can get those resources for you. Also, from the Iowa SIDS Foundation website, there um, is additional information. There's support meetings. This is uh, local to Iowa, but if you're listening from somewhere else, you can you know, also go ahead and take a look in your area. So um, support group meetings is um, hopefully a, an opportunity, as well as the CJ First Candle. Yes, that is a national organization, and they're kind of going through a transition currently, you know, as far as leadership and, you know, um, how um, who, who's... Um, uh, operating and things of that nature, but they've always been a wonderful resource as far as publications. Uh, my wife and I have gotten to go to several conferences uh, in the past. There hasn't been one recently, but we, um, I know we went to one in Philadelphia and one in the Twin Cities, and they bring in speakers and, you know, the researchers and um, grief experts. Um, and then it's also really neat because I know on one, the, the conference we went to in Philadelphia was about a year or two after Jacob died. And one of the biggest impacts I had through that conference was they had a support group just for fathers. Okay. Uh, and as I mentioned before, you know, males sometimes have a very hard time, you know, opening up or even admitting that they're upset. And it was a very powerful experience to see, you know, all of these um, guys, you know, and they're all different types of guys, some big macho guys, you know, others. And uh, there was one gentleman I remember that was 20 or 25 years out um, from the death of his child, and he had never really dealt with it. And mm -hmm. being able to be in that group and, you know, open up to some other guys, he, he had somewhat of a breakthrough that day. Mm -hmm. um, and another gentleman, you know, he was kind of more the biker type or whatever. He had a big tattoo of his child on his arm, you oh. know, just seeing different ways that uh, people uh, memorialize their child and also how they grieve. 
And that's one thing too, um, and it mentions this on your website that SIDS doesn't discriminate against mm-hmm. who it impacts. It doesn't matter how much money a family makes, the age of the parents, where they live, what race they are. Um, yep. Unfortunately, it can um, affect any family, much like you know we see with all you know all sorts of traumatic events. You know, mm-hmm. the number one thing you hear on the news is, "I never thought it would happen here or happen to me." And we all like to think that way, and you know, unfortunately, um, it can. <laughs> so, the annual walk for the future. Can mm-hmm. you share with our listeners what that is? Yes. Uh, if- uh, the foundation has been doing the SIDS walk. I think we're approaching our 20th year this year that we've been um, doing the SIDS walk. And basically, it's a chance. We don't like to look at it as, sad, as a sad event. And that's why we call it a walk for the future, because it is a chance to remember our children, but also a chance to get together and just be social with you know folks that understand and have community support, things of that nature. And all throughout the state, um, there's usually about seven or eight locations that we have walks and it's all on the same day. And some um, cities have had some really awesome, you know, support from different restaurants, things. Mm -hmm. I know last, uh, this past one out in the west side of Iowa, they had uh, Outback Steakhouse was providing lunch and doing some things. Uh, We always do, most of the sites do a silent auction Um, and we've seen some really neat items, you know, there, because of course you have a bunch of contacts from different places. So you might get autographed footballs or, you know, things of that nature. So the purpose is to raise money for the foundation. So we continue to support, um, one of the other purposes of the foundation, aside from, um, the peer contacts and the support of the families is outreach and education. So, um, as you were mentioning before. You know, a lot of the things they they talk about at the hospital and they give you Mm -hmm. the speeches. We have created some materials that we provide to the hospitals that they can hand the parents because you do get so much information Mm -hmm. when you're in the hospital. If it's just talked about, you might remember a little piece of it, but for the most part, it's going to be gone. Mm -hmm. And so we have a grief pack, well, not grief packet, that's separate, but educational packet that we um, hand out. and have available for the hospitals so they can give parents. That's great. We have a lactation room here. Mercy, um, Iowa City sponsored that for us. And mm-hmm. I did see that you had um, on the website, there's some brochures. So I'm going to be mm-hmm. contacting Patty, I think, um, with the Iowa SIDS Foundation to request some that we can put in, in there. That would be great. Mm-hmm. Also looking at, at the website, uh, there's some be- best practices and mm-hmm. um, ways to help reduce some of those factors. We've kind of already mentioned some of them, um, putting baby to sleep on the back mm-hmm. every time, um, in the crib uh, without extra accessories and, and bumpers around there. Um, something I th- thought was interesting was they recommend using a pacifier at naps and nap time through the first year of life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I suppose that's to help keep the airway open and correct and just yes if you're if you're um, yeah if you're um, chewing something or doing something it's less likely that you'll just be still so there's also a lot of preventative um, measures that um, you can parents can also use there's different alarms in the bed you know that you can okay. put in so if you're concerned about then if the baby's completely still an alarm goes off, um, things of that nature. Again, it may not prevent 
um, a SIDS death, but you know, it might be something that could help something else or um, have you go right away. Um, my wife and I chose not to use some of those things. Um, and, and the reason was um, it's, it's very easy to go back to it won't happen to me again, you know? Sure. <laughs> um, and the other thing is, you know, if you're already, your stress level is already up because you're trying to, um, you know, nervous about new kid after, you know, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. the death of another, um, if it keeps giving you false alarms that can almost cause you more anxiety than, you know, the alarms themselves. Sure. So. Sure, I can see that. Um, also, like, to keep the room cool, the temperature mm -hmm. Correct. is important. Don't have it too warm. So um, dress baby kind of in... Um, not layers. Right. Uh, they actually re recommend, uh, it says like wearable blanket, but they also call it a sleep sack where it, it doesn't have legs. You basically have your arms and then the, the bottom is enclosed. And, and so there's no less chance for the baby to get wrapped up in anything or um, hurt itself. Um, and the sleep sacks have come highly recommended. Breastfeeding, it also says, um, could help as far as um, mm -hmm. is, is something that could be considered to, to help minimize risks as well. That is correct, yes. And they also make it a, a big point that uh, parents should share a room with baby, but never a bed. Correct. And again, that just comes to that space factor. And it's very possible that a parent could roll over on a child or you know um, injure a child if they're in the same bed together. So before we end today's podcast, Tony, would you be willing to share with our listeners a favorite storytime memory um, or a favorite book that your kids request over and over? Um, I know my wife always read Goodnight Moon, you oh, know, okay. as uh, to a lot of the kids and also the Sandra Boynton books, you know, um, mm -hmm. I've heard some of the titles are escaping me right now, but Pajama Time, um, Pajama Ooh, Time, la, la, la. yeah, Mooba, <laughs> La La La, I could almost recite that book right now if I needed to. Um. We have a lot of her books. <laughs> <laughs> Those were always fun to read to the kids and they enjoyed the sounds and everything else. So thanks. So I was basically yeah. correct. I just couldn't put it into words. But the triple miss risk model is the you have a vulnerable infant, one who is susceptible to issues the outside stressors, and then the most important is the critical development period. Most SIDS okay. deaths occur in a three, between three months and six months. Our okay. son was um, four months old, but we seem to see the most deaths occur, you know, during that time frame. So okay. that is what the triple risk model is. Okay, <laughs> great. Well, thank you for finding that for us. <laughs> we appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming today, Tony, for talking with us, for sharing your story. I think you're going to help other parents out there. Um, so we, we truly do appreciate you taking some time to share your story with us. Um, we wish you and Trisha and your family the best. And thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you.